Today's episode of First Look ETF is brought to you by the New York Stock Exchange, the home of ETFs. To hear from experts across the ETF market, visit homeofetfs.com. NYSE has sponsored this production by ETF Guide LLC for illustrative, informational, and educational purposes only, without regard to any particular investor's objectives, financial situation, or circumstances. NYSE neither represents nor warrants the accuracy or correctness of any of the statements in the production, which has been independently assembled by ETF Guide LLC and with whom sole editorial control rests. NYSE makes no recommendation as to possible benefits from any securities or trading strategies, and this production is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or engage in any trading strategy. Prior to the execution of a purchase or sale of any security, you are advised to consult with your own advisors. Hello and welcome to Season 2 of First Look ETF. I am Stephanie Stanton. Happy New Year. It is great to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we will examine some hot trends taking root in 2022, including plant-based foods and a new ETF that aims to capitalize on this growing movement, plus an ETF that takes a bad boy approach to picking stocks. And finally, we'll dive into a new fund that invests in America and honors those that serve. But first, let's begin with a recap of the very latest ETF launches on the New York Stock Exchange. Joining us now is Douglas Jonas with the NYSE. Hi, Douglas. It is great to have you with us. Thanks, Stephanie. It's great to be here. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. All right, let's dive into the latest numbers. Yeah, so it was a huge year for ETFs and for the New York Stock Exchange. We had 477 new ETFs hit the market. And they, the more important thing was cash flow. Over $900 billion entered the ETF arena, all in net cash flow, bringing the ETF industry in the United States over $7.2 trillion. More importantly, we saw a lot of diversity we saw 123 different asset managers launch at least one ETF last year. And out of that, almost half, 55 brand new asset managers entering the ETF space. So a really big opportunity across the board. Wow, that is incredible. Now, last time we talked, uh, you mentioned the emergence of actively managed ETF funds that use the NYSE's active proxy model. Tell us a little bit more about this and uh, the demand. Do you see this continuing in 2022? Yeah, we do. You know, last year was a big active story. 60% of all new ETFs that enter the market were actively managed. That's a trend we've continued to watch and talk about for years now. And it continues to grow, especially now that there's a solution for some asset managers who don't want to show their holdings daily. They can use the New York Stock Exchange proxy model. There are now 11 different ETFs using that model with $3.5 billion dollars in assets under management. And if I break that down for you in 2021, that's an over a 2000% growth rate last year. So clearly this is under demand for both asset managers and, and investors alike. Wow, all right, incredible stuff. Douglas Jonas with the NYSE, thank you so much for being with us. And by the way, here's a quick reminder, we simulcast First Look ETF on pretty much most of the major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Amazon Music, and iTunes. So be sure to check us out there. And while you're there, go ahead and drop us a review and tell us how much you like First Look ETF. These days, more and more people are switching to a vegetarian or a vegan diet in an effort to stay healthy. 
In fact, analysts predict the plant-based food market will grow nearly 12% over the next four years, bringing its value to more than $74 billion. Now, we know that plant-based foods can be good for your health, but what about your portfolio? Well, here to discuss all of this and more is Elizabeth Alfano, CEO and Chief Marketing Officer of VegTech Invest. Elizabeth, thank you so much for being with us. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. I love to talk about this. It's such an exciting topic. You know, the eating habits of the public, they are starting to pretty well dramatically change. People want to consume not only food that's good for them, but also good for the environment. Tell us a little bit more about this movement as you see it. Sure. I'd love to talk about this. So yes, more and more people are working in plants and working out meat. They've probably heard somewhere from their doctor, like cut down on red meat. And this isn't really new information for them. But now that they have more options, they're starting to work in, you know, more and more vegetables for their health. But what's interesting, according to the Good Food Institute and also in Nova Market Research, is that Planetary health is just surpassed personal health as a motivator for shifting their consumer habits. So you see, yes, people are shifting their food purchases, but they're also starting to find information so that they can make the right purchases according to the planet. So people are starting to hear the message that 14 and a half percent of greenhouse gases come from animal agriculture. In fact, a new um, study just last week from the Wall Street Journal says that up and down the supply chain, up to 36% of greenhouse gas emissions can be contributed back to animals because when you think about up and down the supply chain, think about all the live animals that are transported, let's say from Australia to the Middle East, which is quite common, how heavy that is, right? So up and down the supply chain, that that impact on the planet is quite heavy. And then it's not just climate change and greenhouse gas emissions. It's also deforestation. So if you're going to feed all these animals, you're going to have to cut down trees, trees that we love that pull carbon from the air, cut those down, grow grains. These grains have fiber. They have protein. Do we feed these grains to people? No, we feed them to animals and then the animals need time and land and water. So it's a very inefficient equation. And according to the UN, we're going from 7.7 .7 billion people on the planet to almost 10 billion people on the planet by 2050. But we're not getting more land and we're not getting more water. So as we look to create more food more efficiently, that's better nutritional profile, we're going to have to come up with a better equation. And so people are getting behind that efficient way of feeding the world in a humane and also really a resource smart way. And so the planet has become a big priority. Right. And so with all that being said, you guys have created the VegTech plant-based innovation and climate ETF. Your ticker is EATV or EATV, which is obviously makes sense. Um, you guys have an active stock picking strategy. What are some of the fund's top holdings? How do you pick them? Yeah, I can't wait to talk about this. First of all, I do have to say I'm over the moon because we are a pure play. And from all of our research, the very first to market with plant-based innovation. And so we have defined a completely new investment sector. And that is companies that are innovating with plants and plant-derived ingredients to create animal-free products for sustainable consumption. And we know from our research, we believe that this is a global secular trend. Let's talk about that just for a second 
second before I tell you about our top holdings. So everyone's thinking, oh, well, you probably have, you know, consumer packaged goods, Beyond Meat and Oatly in your uh, fund. Well, of course we do. But it's also up and down the supply chain, because if you're going to shift consumer um, eating patterns, which is already taking place, you're going to have to shift the entire supply chain. So we also have ingredient companies like Ingredion and MGP Ingredients. We also have um, innovation companies like Ginkgo Bioworks and Amaris. We also have material companies. So we think of food, but it's also materials that are innovating with plants um, to not have animal products and have sustainable consumption. So Elf Beauty Products, one of my favorite companies. They're a really interesting play. Olaplex having um, body care products that are um, innovating with plants. So we look to these kind of companies um, as well as like flavor and fragrance companies like Givaudin to really help innovate and make these products better. In the beginning of this show, we talked about how people are switching their choices. They're working in more plants and plant-based products. It's because they have better products to choose from. So we look to these innovators, again, like Givaudan, that's helping with fragrance and flavor to get that taste just right so that we can have better products that taste better and more people choose them because that's what they want. Yeah. And it's interesting that you did talk about um, not just the, the food service products, but the makeup and, and the broad range of plant-based products. That is very interesting. So with that being said, how would you see financial advisors or investors using EatV as part of their overall strategy? Okay. So how do I see this fitting into um, different portfolios? Well, I see three different layers here. First of all, you have anybody living on the planet Earth. <laughs> I would say if you are at all interested in your own personal health and well-being and the planet where you live, then you'd want to have this as, let's say, three to five percent of your portfolio. So a satellite strategy for you. Obviously, you're still, you know, in the S&P 500 or whatever you do, but this would be three to five percent as a satellite strategy. Then we have our legacy investors, people that really want to make sure their kids and their grandkids have a planet to play on. So perhaps they are supporting them right now because their 20-year-old, 30-year-old, 40-year-old really believes in this and has already made the shift, or perhaps they're doing a legacy play for generations to come. Those folks might be involved, let's say, 5 to 10% of your portfolio. And then you have the pent-up demand. So I... I've had people tracking me down for over a year while I was working on this methodology with my fund manager, Sasha Goodman, saying, what should I do? Where can I invest? Help me. I want to put my dollars where my values are. Those people who've been waiting so patiently for our pure play uh, first to market strategy, they might want to be in more heavy, let's say 8 to 15%. All right. Elizabeth Alfano, thank you so much. That was so interesting. Thanks for sharing more about your ETF. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. It is time to capitalize on being bad. Well, that is the slogan of a new ETF that invests in stocks tied to gaming, alcohol, and cannabis. And here to discuss more about this fund and its strategy is the bad boy himself, Tommy Mancuso, founder of The Bad ETF. Hi, Tommy. It is great to have you with us. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. All right, this is going to be kind of fun. Um, the BAD ETF is actually an acronym that sheds light on how this fund invests. Tell us what it stands for and how it works. 
Yep. So you mentioned it already. It stands for vetting alcohol and drugs. And when I say drugs, I primarily mean pharmaceutical companies. So it may play into the bad name a little bit itself, but our intention when constructing this ETF was always positive, right? We want to include in this ETF quality companies that have proven to succeed through multiple economic cycles. They've withstood the test of time and continuously improved their business practices. We also think it is also very dynamic in a sense that it offers investors both a sense of value, growth, and a little bit of defensive. When I talk about value, right, these are considered sin stocks. You and I both know that when it comes to the gaming, the the cannabis side of things. But just because someone is saying, hey, those are bad, doesn't mean they're good quality companies. We believe that eliminating primary social stigmas shouldn't be a primary factor when it comes to investing or constructing an ETF, which is why we created this. They're very profitable and in defensive by nature to some extent too, because at the end of the day, people are unfortunately going to get sick and need medicine. People are going to consume alcohol, especially if they keep making these ready to drinks taste better and better. And you and I both know that Vegas wasn't built on people winning. So at the end of the day, we think it's very sustainable. But then let's look at the growth side of things with this portfolio, right? Gambling and and cannabis. Those are both expanding industries in a sense that more states are legalizing them, which offers a nice tailwind and runway for these companies to really grow beyond just Vegas and Atlantic City. And I think we're going to see more people take on these types of products and the states are going to realize there's a lot of tax revenue and people enjoy doing these things. You know, we might not want to admit it whether we do that or not, but they are in forms of entertainment and we're all about having a good time at the bad investment company. Yeah, exactly. Um, love the name, by the way. All right, let's dive into the holdings a little bit because as you mentioned, you know, there could be some social stigma attached here. These companies or the funds holdings may not be for everyone. Um, tell us about some of the holdings and who you're targeting. Yep. So the makeup of the of the ETF is divided into 33.3 allocation in the industry, the betting, alcohol and drugs. From the betting side of things, it's going to be your household names. We really wanted to focus on the top players in the industry. So you're going to see Win, MGM, Penn, DraftKings, some of those places that everyone is familiar. From an alcohol standpoint, you're going to have your Molson Coors, your Constellation, your InBev, AmBev. And then we did take out the the cannabis out of that 33.3% out of alcohol and put that 10% into the cannabis sector. And we did that primarily because we felt like the alcohol was so strong on the top heavy side of things. And we didn't want to take away from uh, the drug with all the high quality companies in there. So when we talk about the cannabis companies, that's Canopy, Aura, Tilray, and Kronos, there's room for other companies in there, but those are the primary players we wanted to focus on. And then when it comes to drugs, like I mentioned, pharmaceutical companies, that's going to be your Pfizer's, Moderna's, J&J, Eli Lilly, Again, those high quality names that we think have a long runway and they're in the early innings and they're sustainable, not just today, but in the future. They have that growth aspect. They're always adapting to the times and we think they're really strong uh, in a portfolio. Now, when you talk about the gaming, uh, you mentioned, you know, the, the gambling, the wins and the, the Vegas angle there. Um, but what about video gaming? That is such a huge industry. Yeah, I mean... Again, we're primarily in the casino space, but I definitely see that in gaming industry, right? Video games, 
we're going to see a lot of that come into sports betting, right? It, I think video games are eventually you see now on TV, people playing video games and they may move over. And I think people are going to start betting on those. It's one of the fastest growing industries. And you may see some integration in there, especially now. I believe there, I'm seeing commercials for, you know, play this video game and you can win money. So it will probably fall into that gaming category overall. And then, Tommy, really quick uh, before we go, how do you see financial advisors and investors using this fund as part of their overall diversified portfolio? Absolutely. So we, again, think there may be a little overexposure in the tech industry, right? The S&P is very top heavy in some of those companies. And in a rising interest rate environment with where we're at right now, we think not having a whole lot of tech correlation could be a great satellite strategy and overall makeup for a financial advisor while they're constructing a portfolio. To an investor or someone who's maybe in the retail crowd, we think that we're going to be their safe haven to some extent that offers them some broader diversification level because as much as you and I want these stocks to go to the moon, we realize that's usually not going to be the case and there's a lot of risk that is involved with that. So again, I think in a position in a portfolio, we're probably your buy and hold in an IRA and we're going to be you know, somewhere around that 8 or 15% that we're seeing in the S&P 500 with not a whole lot of tech uh, exposure. So again, it's just a, it's a, a good way for you to get a little bit more diversification, but still have some excitement in your portfolio. All right. We could all use a little excitement. Tommy Mancuso, thank you so much for sharing more about your bad ETF. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Stephanie. It was great talking to you today. Investors have typically been trained to think and invest globally, but others may want to keep their money a little closer to home. Well, joining us now to discuss a new ETF that invests in America and honors military families is Patrick Galley, CEO of River North. Hi, Patrick. It is so great to have you with us here on First Look ETF. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. All right. So the River North Volition America Patriot ETF, your ticker symbol is FLDZ, has a very unique approach and mission. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah. And before we even talk about the investment strategy, I think it is important to talk about the mission because that's actually what drove us to launch the fund. Uh, we created the Folds Fund. Uh, FLDZ is the ticker, as you pointed out, and it's the benefit, the Folds of Honor. Uh, the families from the Folds of Honor. The Folds of Honor is a 5013C organization, a charitable organization that was set up about 10 years ago by Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney, who's a F-16 fighter pilot. Uh, he founded the organization because uh, of an experience that he had where there was a child on a plane that uh, watched his father come off on a casket. And that was like, ah, moment for Dan. And he said, what is that child going to do from here on out? And he said, I'm going to create an organization, i.e. the Folds of Honor, that gives scholarships to fallen soldiers, families, and, uh, and their, their wives, husbands, and children. Uh, and once they start with them, they, they go all the way through the end. And so when I met Dan, heard the story, I was getting involved, and you know, I said, here I run an, a $6 billion asset management firm. We do pretty well for ourselves. But instead of just writing a check uh, and taking a tax benefit, there's got to be something more we can do. And that was kind of our aha moment at River North. And we said, let's create a fund where the profits, 100% of the profits go to the Folds of Honor uh, and at least 50% of the management fees. And the reason we structured it that way is because as a startup ETF, as you know, 
there, it might not be profitable. So we wanted to make sure dollar one, it will make an impact to the folds of honor. So everybody knows that every investment that they make, at least half the management fee, the 70 basis point expense ratio goes to the folds of honor. You know what? That is a wonderful thing. So thank you for that. I'm sure the families really appreciate that. Um, talk about the criteria that you guys have for selecting stocks. And I imagine we'll probably recognize a lot of these companies. Yeah, it's, we try to take a pretty simple approach, um, not too dissimilar to an index type strategy. You know, our thought was, as you pointed out, it is a U.S. based strategy. So, you know, number one, a hundred percent of the companies have to be listed on the U.S. exchanges. Number two, a hundred percent of the companies are U.S. domiciled. Uh, number three, 90% of the revenue is actually generated in the U.S. versus the S&P 500 is an example. 40% of the revenue of those 500 companies is generated overseas. So it's obviously very U.S. centric. And then it's a $5 billion market cap and above. And so that leaves you with about 330 companies uh, out of the S&P 900. Um, and it, 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 it ends up skewing more towards a value type strategy, right? You don't have as many tech companies uh, finance is overweighted, utilities is overweighted, and energy can be overweighted, as you can imagine, which we think is obviously a good place to be uh, given the recent run up on tech. Can you give us a few of the names that we might recognize? Uh, Moderna, Intuit, Charter Communications. Um, I mean, these are, these are all names, blue chip names that a lot of you would know um, that are in the portfolio. So again, the, the idea, we're not trying to get too tactical. We're trying to give more of a beta-like return but for those that are investing in the strategy, they can feel good about it because they know they're making an impact, a true impact um, versus, you know, it's not even the companies. It's actually a management fee. And we're trying to create an annuity for the folds of honor. And, and again, you talked about that investor. Um, what type of investor are you appealing to? And then how do you see them using this as part of their overall strategy? Obviously, equities is part of most individuals asset allocation. Um, you can have domestic, you can have international. I think this is a, obviously a perfect fit to replace your U.S. domestic equity exposure, right? Because again, it's diversified. We're not trying to be tactical uh, and generate the alpha from security selection necessarily. We're giving you broad U.S. diversification, but 99.7% of the revenue of the, of the 330 companies in the portfolio, uh, that revenue is generated in the U.S. So uh, I think investors can feel good about that. But then most important, the fees are going back to a great cause. All right. Well, it does sound like a great cause. Patrick Galley, thank you so much for sharing more about your ETF with us today. Thanks, Stephanie. Well, that does it for this, the first episode of Season 2, First Look ETF. We are so happy that you were able to join us. Now, if you enjoyed today's show, let us know by posting your comment below and hitting the like button. A big thanks to all of our guests today, including Douglas Jonas at the New York Stock Exchange. And be sure to check out homeofetfs.com to learn more. Also, don't forget to pick up the podcast version of First Look ETF. It is available at iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, and other major podcasting platforms. I'm Stephanie Stanton with ETF Guide. Thank you so much for watching. We will see you next time.
NYSE has sponsored this production by ETF Guide LLC for illustrative, informational, and educational purposes only, without regard to any particular investor's objectives, financial situation, or circumstances. NYSE neither represents nor warrants the accuracy or correctness of any of the statements in the production, which has been independently assembled by ETF Guide LLC and with whom sole editorial control rests. NYSE makes no recommendation as to possible benefits from any securities or trading strategies, and this production is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or engage in any trading strategy. Prior to the execution of a purchase or sale of any security, you are advised to consult with your own advisors.